this is really a special moment. And I am really proud of all you've accomplished, especially with this podcast, because I think it is a dream and it's something that you pursued and now it's a reality. And I was telling Cleavon earlier, I said, I go for walks in the morning and I take Shelly with me. You know, I mean, like I'm listening to her walking and she's laughing. I'm like, I feel like I'm at lunch with Shelly, even though I'm doing my morning walk. Welcome to Lunch with Shelly, the podcast featuring conversations with colleagues, friends, family, business leaders. At lunch, here's Shelly. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the new season, season two of Lunch with Shelly. I am so, so lucky to have one of my favorite people, best friends and VVIP in this city here with me on the podcast. Today's guest is the ever fabulous and very beloved Marlene Colucci. We are at Cafe Milano, which, as our listeners know, is one of my very favorite lunch spots on the planet Earth. And we're also here with our new pal and producer, Cleavon Davis, who's hanging out with us today while Claude is away. And he's expertly managing our mics and parts of our conversation. Welcome, Cleavon, too. It's great to make new friends, and I'm psyched that we'll be working together sometimes this season. Glad to be here. I'm so glad, too. So back to old friends, let's talk more about Marlene. As far as her professional background is concerned, it's a long and very impressive one. Marlene is currently the Chief Executive Officer at the Business Council, which is an organization comprised of the CEOs of America's largest corporations, representing all sectors of the economy. Through discussion, best practice sharing, and networking, these CEOs endeavor to make meaningful contributions to society, the global economy, and to business in general. Marlene is also the vice chair of the board of directors for GXO Logistics and is on the board of the National Endowment for Democracy, too. Previously, she was the executive vice president of the Hotel and Lodging Association, a special assistant to the president in the Office of Domestic Policy, a deputy assistant secretary for congressional and intergovernmental affairs and counsel to the deputy secretary, at the Department of Labor, which importantly is where we became besties, and she was a senior counsel at Aiken Gump. Marlene and I have known each other for a very long time. From our rather younger days living in the Watergate apartments, which was hysterical, to our still young days when we were single gal pals doing the dating scene, to our married days when we were there for each other when each of us ended up meeting the love of our lives. And our mothers have even become good friends, which is really lovely and special for both of us since Marlene and I are both very family-oriented. We've truly been through thick and thin, often laughing through it all, though tears have been shed too, but I could not be hosting a more special, warm, smart, and wonderful person to help me kick off this season and my birthday lunch than Marlene Colucci. So welcome to Lunch with Shelley Marlene, and let's have lunch. Happy birthday. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. It makes me feel very special to be part of this birthday celebration. In the season opener. In the season opener. (laughs) (laughs) But also because, you know, I was thinking back, you've been a part of my life for so long, and you've been there at all the really special moments. Well, right back at you. And I mean, how many birthdays and... My God, everything, so birthdays, many. accomplishments, Fridays, <laughs> I know. Like, and you know what I was actually thinking? I mean, yeah. like, ridiculously, how often do you think we've been sitting across the table from each other at Cafe Milano? Probably hundreds of times. Hundreds. 
Maybe that's I, I don't know. I mean, I mean it feels like know. a long time. It's been a really yeah. long time. And especially, time. like I said, at Cafe Milano, too. Yeah, it was definitely one of our haunts. Yes, definitely one of our haunts. Well, I'm just so thrilled to see you. And as everyone will see eventually with the pictures, Marlene is looking fabulous in this <laughs> awesome yellow dress. It's a gorgeous day outside. So it's so pretty. We, we have a lot. We're a lot of very blessed and a lot to celebrate. That's yes, for sure. very blessed yeah. and lots to celebrate. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, so let's talk about you. I mean, we'll do some really easy stuff and then... Only God knows where the conversation will go, but you know it could be dangerous because we've known each other for a long time. And I know. if we get back to the very early days, you know oh there could God. be some really interesting conversations. Last maybe night. some we may need to edit right. out, like Miami, <laughs> right? Right, <laughs> definitely Miami. Well, I also said to Nelson, "What do you think if I bring up this or that?" He's like, "Well, maybe not." Um, <laughs> anyway, but let's just sort of get more background on you. Yeah. So, how did you come from California to DC? Well, I think when I was growing up in California, which I was talking about with Cleveland earlier, is it's such a beautiful place. I went to UCLA. I had a great life there. Uh, but then I always had this sense of wanting to do something political, be in a different city. So I did an internship on Capitol Hill with my member of Congress, a woman named uh, Congresswoman Bobby Fiedler from California. And I thought I'll just I've never do even that. Heard of her? Yes, yeah, she was. She was there during the Reagan years, so that this completely yeah. right. dates me. I mean, right, she right, gave right. actually Reagan's second okay. nominating speech. Oh, you're kidding! Yeah, wow. yeah. She's since passed away, unfortunately, but she was, uh, you know, my local member. So I thought this is a great way to do this. Didn't know what to expect, and went on Capitol Hill and just loved it. Expected it to be kind of a short stint, go back to California, right. and then said, "Well, you know, now that I'm here, maybe I'll go to law school here." Well, that was another yeah. thing. I mean, so A, you got the bug. I got the bug. And B, like, I don't even think I've ever asked you, but why did you want to become a lawyer? I wasn't sure I wanted to become a lawyer. I just knew that what I loved about lawyers is that they knew so, they knew so much about everybody else's business. Right. So when you, you know come out of college, you really don't know what you want to do, but you know you want to have some kind of professional degree. And I thought, this way I could learn about lots of different businesses. And if I didn't want to go into law, I wouldn't have to. Because you'll always be a lawyer. Yeah, always be a lawyer. And I I think most of the people I've met who are lawyers in the city, which there are many, um, they do different things. They don't practice. Right. Well, you know, I think when you and I were coming up also, it was, I wouldn't say totally new, but it was a little on the newer end for people like women, I guess, Mm -hmm. to have MBAs or law degrees. And it was a really good idea because it was... In essence, an insurance policy. I think you're so right. In fact, I really remember this one situation. I was on a board, nonprofit board, and there was a gentleman who, when he found out that I was graduating from law school, and you know, he treated me a certain way, but then all right. of a sudden he said, "Oh, you're graduating She's from law a lawyer. school. Yeah. You're a lawyer." He treated me completely right. different, and well, I thought that blonde. is so interesting. Well, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> I try to keep it that way. <laughs> okay, so but you went to Georgetown. Went to Georgetown Law and, uh, you know, finished my degree there. And it was hard. I mean, it, law school is not easy. Yeah. But I think it's a great, you know, once you're done, you feel like, okay, I've done this. Now I can practice law, which means I can do something. I can at least define it. And then from there... Wait, just, hold on a second. What yeah. kind of law did you practice? Or? So when I started out, you know, you kind of get a general law degree. You don't okay. specialize in anything in particular. So the first job I had at a law school was at a law firm here in Georgetown called Heron Burchette, Ruckert, and Rothwell. I didn't know that. Yes. It did not appear on yes, your LinkedIn. It did not so far back. You know, no one even, well, and the firm kind of imploded. It actually grew um, very quickly and ended up kind of imploding because they had, you know, taken on a lot of debt. They merged. They had some, you know, 
business decisions that weren't great. But honestly, I met some amazing people. I had great mentors like John Dowd, who was a litigator. So I ended up getting exposed to litigation. I think that's what I would like. Yeah. Yeah, I think you would love it. I mean, yeah. especially white collar criminal litigation, which is just really fascinating. So he represented, you know, um, baseball and the review of baseball and gambling. Oh, so wow. a lot of kind of interesting things that he worked on. And then I also got introduced to lobbying because there was a whole lobbying effort at Heron Brachette. And so I was included in that. I worked with a lot of great partners, you know, doing all sorts of different issues from trade to banking to communications. And it just taught me that I think I like this. I right. think I like being on the front end and negotiating for clients rather than being on the back end on litigation when they're already in trouble. Right. You know, keep them out of trouble. Very clever. As opposed to yeah. getting, you know, defending yeah. them afterwards. Okay, well then keep going. So <laughs> then see. you went to Aiken? So then the firm actually imploded. Right. Uh, which ended up being great for me, not so good for the partners. Um, but I ended up getting three offers for three different firms. I went with John Dowd, who I said was my mentor, oh, okay. uh, to the law firm of Aiken Gump. And that was also a great experience. In fact, I just went to an alumni event last night. So I saw a lot of people oh, that I great. keep in touch with, which is yeah. great. And they're all over the place. Right. Um, but great law firm led by Bob Strauss, uh, who was fantastic. So I had a lot of mentors there. You're listening to Lunch with Shelley. So Marlene goes from Aiken Gump, and then she wants to get into politics. Yeah, so I was at Aiken Gump and you know learned to be a lobbyist and learned about policy and then thought I'd always wanted to work in the administration. I'd worked a little bit in the law, so I had kind of that judicial branch of the government, worked a little bit in the Congress, so now I thought I'd love to work in the administration. So I looked around and uh, had worked on the Bush 43 campaign. Right. And then as I was looking for jobs in the administration, uh, a friend of mine, Ken Melman, suggested I go to the Department of Labor and look around. And so I interviewed over there, and that's when I ran into Shelley. We had been neighbors, so we'd known each other. And then we had this like hiatus where we didn't see each other. And right. then it was definitely divine intervention yes. because I ran right into you. It, well, you know what? Melissa Nadine that's suggested right. that. And we even had coffee or something. Yes, that's right. Who was my assistant at the time. But we did sort of run into each mm -hmm. other, whatever it was. But I suggested you go one place rather than the other place. Right. Which interview one place. On the back oh, was you a made the right decision. Yeah. Miff definitely made the right decision. So I was able to work for the Deputy Secretary Cam Finley, right. who we both know is an right. amazing person, and we both got to know Elaine Chow. Right. And so shout out to Elaine Chow because she is um, responsible for our friendship. Yes. And we have a group of women. I mean, we have a large group of friends from there and particularly this smaller group of women that we just had lunch with two weeks ago. Yeah. And these friendships have been going on for decades. Yeah. Which is crazy because we're still in our 20s, but decades. Yes, it's amazing how that happens. It's I like know. a time warp, Shelley. It's like a time warp. <laughs> Although usually I don't say that because I am very proud. Every year, uh, you have to be grateful for each year, so you I don't do. like to pretend that I'm younger, except for then. But um, it is nice to have that kind of group of professional and personal friendships yeah. that have lasted a long time. Yeah. I think we've been there when you know our careers have gone one way and maybe we wanted them to go another Correct. and maybe we wanted some professional advice right. or a little bit of, you know, like you're doing a great job. So I think it's been nice. It's been really, I think we've been fortunate to have that. Well, absolutely fortunate. And also when we go out with each other, the conversations are wide-ranging and yes. we still talk about work and we get good information I mean we have a great network but then it's also terrifically familial you know I yeah. mean we've gone through kids and marriages and divorces and health issues and 
all of the above, right? Because yeah. it's we life. Have a long history and life, and it's like you yeah. said, it's a lot of things happen over lunch and dinner right. and drinks. Right, too. right, right, right. But a lot of really important times. No, you're you're a thousand percent right. And and while I wasn't planning to talk about it, I think you and I have also talked about this COVID era. I mean, Cleveland, you pipe in if you feel like it. But I think this generation who just got mm-hmm. you know lived through COVID. And now, really super wants to work remotely, which I get because they're, I mean, clearly I get it because I work largely out of my home, you know, and I love, that's why I like lunch and things because I like the combo. But I guess my point is, I worry about people who are working remotely because they don't make friends at the office like we did. I mean, do you want to talk about that? Marlene, you need a little bit more. I do wonder about that, especially those that recently got into the workforce during the pandemic right because that's all they know exactly right (laughs) but you're not one of those people i guess no so i started working about a year or so before the pandemic began i got out of school and i was considered an essential worker since i worked for the media oh right (laughs) so i never got to stay home or anything i was on the roads by myself driving to work every day um, but it was really helpful because I was able to keep that connection. Right. I was able to see people every day. So I didn't really feel a lot of the effects that some people were feeling from being in the home and, and not socializing or talking to people. Yeah. Well, I feel like I love lunch so much and I love this podcast mm-hmm. so much. But I, I hope in different iterations that it's um, it's helpful in that I'm... I'm um, supporting the notion of in-person interactions, in addition to authentic conversations, but people just getting together. So, you know, if I can be supportive in, in that way of trying to encourage people to call somebody, you know, and ask them out for lunch or a drink or a dinner, whatever I think it there's, is. There's no replacement. It's so important. No yeah. replacement for that in-person. In fact, during COVID, I think one of the things that struck me when, especially when COVID was kind of waning and we were coming back to having lunches, I felt like my brain had stopped for a while. Like I yeah. missed the interaction because at lunch, you know, you're not only catching up personally, but you're also catching up professionally and you're just interacting with what's going on. Right. So you're hearing more news, you're hearing more perspectives. And I felt like I, I get re-energized by that. Absolutely. And you're right. You, you, you know, you're like, oh, but did I just went to this event and I heard this person. Or yes. I mean, it's just so much more colorful. When you're actually talking to people and Zoom, as I think is universally um, appreciated, but I think people agree that you just don't get it from Zoom. It's like you don't get the same eye contact. or You can't reach out and give someone a hug or, you know, tell them it's great to see them. It's just not the same. And also, you know, maybe from an insipid standpoint, but from a fashion sense, Sometimes you're like, oh, everybody's wearing these, or I've seen three people wearing that, or I guess that's hip, or hipper with the younger crowd, or you know what I mean? It's just really interesting. Yeah. Well, I think like what's interesting about COVID is you have this whole work from home, so there was a whole new fashion sense. Right. I remember hearing the head of Saks Fifth Avenue saying like they're developing these whole new lines for right. men of comfortable clothes that you can look good in, but that actually you could be, feel like sweats. Like, now that is right. something that's going to be an interesting trend. Well, actually, that's so funny that you say that, because also, I can't believe men are wearing ties again, because I really thought the days of men wearing ties were done. Yeah, I wore a tie. I had to go to a funeral on Monday, and oh. everyone was like, oh, you look so good. You look so... I was like, that's... Because I used to wear suits all the time. Right. And... Um, 
I knew that I had the bar had dropped <laughs> from the pandemic. No one has seen me in a suit and tie for like three years. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the comfortable dress wear. I just saw a guy walking across like Wisconsin Avenue. I had a state statue of liberty or state of liberty uh, clothing bag, which is like, and it says like athletic dress wear for yes. men or something ah. like that. So it's like, I guess this like stretchy material, but it's like a suit. Oh, maybe it's, it's like athletica. He was wearing it or carrying it? No, he was carrying it, it in like a, in a, in a, like a garment bag. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, there have been a whole slew of athletic wear yeah. that yeah. you can wear to work well, and I, still look good. I mean, there was this thing for women. Remember, I've tried it out and I want more of it, but there was this uh, pajama fashion. But what was it called? It's like sleepwear fashion or something. But it, uh, it looks like pajamas. And people were wearing it to the U.S. Open. I wore it only to Peacock Cafe. But um, It's pretty darn cute. I really like it. <laughs> I would live in pajamas if I could. By the way, before they take away our food, because someone has suggested that I do this more often, I want everyone to know I had fantastic lobster bisque. It was really delicious and... Well, we always forget something. I forgot to take a picture of it, but the lobster biscuit Cafe Milano is fantastic. I will say, even though it's not going to come out as gorgeous because the color probably won't translate. Marlene, what are you eating? I'm I'm eating the uh, tuna and avocado, which is also fantastic. It's actually something you turned me on to. That's correct. It's kind of light, but there's quite a bit of it, and it's delicious. Well, please take a picture. And what do you think, Cleavon? Uh, this is a chopped salad with avocado and radish. Uh, it was really good. I like the I think it had balsamic vinegar on there. Really tasty. Well, let's keep talking about All right. you. Okay. So, um, let's talk about your family and your restaurant background now that we're talking about food. Okay. Well, yeah, I grew up in a restaurant family. My father uh, started out as a restaurant hotel consultant and then decided to open That's up his own restaurant. That's what I need restaurant. to be a consultant. Yeah, he started okay. out as a consultant first, I think, to learn the business. He was more on the business side of it. Okay. You know, he had a CPA and he you know, got his MBA, so he was very much on the business side, looking in. But we went to California when I was six years old and we moved and he opened up a restaurant called Boccaccio's. Wait, you went to California from where? Mm-hmm. Well, he was. we were living in New York. I was born in New York. You know, I think I've only heard this once or twice. Yeah. How nice to learn more about you. I know. <laughs> like, it's about time. What We've only known each other forever. I know. So tell me more. And we like New York too. Yeah, yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I was born in New York and then we moved when I was six years old to California and actually moved to a place called Westlake Village, which is where I grew up. And Westlake at the time, there was nothing between kind of the San Fernando Valley and Westlake. Or I should say, but downtown and, and Westlake. Uh, so I remember my mother telling me she was just horrified. Like it was so quiet out there. And my father opened a beautiful restaurant, which still exists today, called Boccaccio's, right on the lake. And it was a place that everybody would come for, you know, graduations and engagements. It had very nice, it was kind of like a Cafe Milano's uh, for that area. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it was incredible. And Westlake apparently is very fancy. It's kind of like it was a planned community, like Reston, Virginia. So it had oh, okay. an elegance to it, um, but a planned I- idyllic nature. So you had these beautiful landscape, man-made lake, and then you had these beautiful trees. So it was very picturesque. Um, so I felt like I grew up in a place that was just absolutely beautiful. And I was the first graduating class in like in uh, elementary school. You're kidding. Yeah, to go from, you know, 
kindergarten all the way through because it was that fifth grade. new. It was that new. Wow. Yeah. I have a picture of my sister and I throwing trash in the first trash cans that were placed in the neighborhood. Oh my god! Yeah, it's kind of weird. We were all dressed up with little, you know. So your father started yeah. a brand new restaurant in a brand new city, residential area, right? City. Yeah. And just crossed his fingers and his toes. Crossed his fingers and his toes, and was very successful. I mean, it was just yeah. a great. Like I said, it was. Uh, it's been bought out, and now it still operates and still on the lake. And I, as I see it, they expanded. So I've always grown up in the hospitality industry. And then he opened up two other restaurants, one also in uh, California in Woodland Hills, and that was an English place. And then the other one was a French brasserie here in Washington. That's right. Yeah. On K Street. But what was the impetus behind the name of the first restaurant? So the first restaurant, Boccaccio's, was um, he liked, he wanted something that sounded continental and European without being too specific. Like he didn't want it like a family Italian sounding because right. he wanted it to be more upscale. So Boccaccio was the author of a book called The Decameron and he just thought that sounded like a name that would carry some continental flair but That's still sophisticated. Bon appetito. Bon so appetit. I'm having uh, this gorgeous crab avocado something. Mm, it does look good. It looks yummy. I'm having you know, a panzanella salad. And yes, you know, the you. nice thing I see is what I always think I notice in restaurants is that when you have a lot of color, that's what appeals to people, right? Nina having a plate that really color. has color. Yep. It is. Tell them what mm. you're having. So this is um, grilled salmon on top of. It looks like just like a mixed vegetable spread, zucchini, tomatoes, but it's like a charcoal, like lemon, zesty type of flavor. Very, very good. I'm so glad. Yeah. It looks wonderful. The texture is immaculate. <laughs> immaculate is a fantastic <laughs> word. You are listening to Lunch with Shelly. Let's sort of switch gears mm -hmm. and get back to you being a boss because honestly, I think to a person, people would describe you as one of the nicest people that they've ever met. And you are really good at being nice and ascending to these fantastic heights that I'm so proud to watch you get to. And one of the things, I mean, I, I love your current job with the CEOs and we could talk about that if you want. I mean, it's a very cool mm -hmm. job and the people that you get to interact with are people that most other people, myself included, just read about and wonder about. Yeah. So let's cover that, but also maybe start with the fact that you are a vice chair of a publicly traded board. Like, was that a goal wow. and can you believe it? No, I think that was not uh, an apparent goal, although I think we've been fortunate to be women in a time where boards were looking to have more women and because I was running the business council one of the business council members was asking me he said I'm looking for some you know, great women to put on my board and I wondered if I could talk to you about it and I said I'd be happy to do that so I kind of diligently studied this company put together a list of some of the CEOs that exist in the business council and they're a fantastic women, I mean, that are CEOs. They just have a lot to offer. So I put together a whole list for him. And we talked through a couple people. And then he said, okay, I might want to follow up on this person. And then the second time we had the conversation, same thing. And then the third time he said, you know, would you ever consider being on a board? 
and it completely caught me off guard. And my normal, I think, reaction would be, no, 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 I could never see myself doing that. But thankfully, I got hold of my senses. I said, I would love that opportunity. And so then the process started, and I had interviews with other board members and interviews um, with top management over a series of several weeks, and then was uh, appointed to the board. And did you come home and you were like, Steve, you're just not going to believe what someone... Oh, yes, absolutely. Like, you're not going to believe what what he asked me. Well, I think it's so interesting and and not terribly surprising but so interesting that your first response was like oh good god no and you yes. had to actually you know get a hold of yourself yeah i'm glad i was on the phone because you didn't yeah, see right. my expression like <laughs> are you kidding you'd be making a big mistake <laughs> that's hilarious but i think you know we all um we all underestimate ourselves of course and i think that it's you sometimes have to take a pause when you ask a question like that and think about it and say you know what i asked it would be someone that would would right. have a lot to say and I have a lot to contribute. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's great. I've never been so challenged and I've never learned so much. I mean, uh, the board I'm on is part of a company founded by Brad Jacobs, who is a serial entrepreneur and he's developed like seven companies and uh, he's a billionaire. He's writing a book on how to become a billionaire, which oh, I'm really? definitely going to read. Yeah, it's oh, coming good. out soon. Oh, so. good. I'll definitely Are you get having you a, copy. a book party? Yeah. I, I suggested we should have one. Maybe we should have one here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Another everybody would love to read here. Yeah. yeah. But he's got his own style and his own way of uh, thinking about how to develop a business. And he's developed what they call roll-ups, which is taking lots, an industry that has lots of smaller companies and putting them all together into a larger company that does the same thing. And it's a very, uh, very effective business model. What's the most important lesson or bit of information that you've learned from being on this board? And maybe describe what the company does. So the company, um, GXO, is a third-party logistics company. So if you think about e-commerce, it's basically they run warehouses where if you are a Nike or an Intel uh, and you are going to outsource your e-commerce business, everything that somebody orders online, You basically develop your products, you send it to the third-party logistics center that you have a a relationship with, and they do all the processing, uh, they do all the packing, and then they use all their electronics and robotics to basically send it out to all the customers, and then they have what you call reverse logistics, which is if somebody returns something. I mean, you and I, we might... We might order five tops, knowing right. that three of them we're going to like, right. and then we return the other two. That goes back into a warehouse. It gets resorted and repackaged, and I've been to some of these warehouses. It's fascinating to see what they do. And then it gets sent out to the next customer. And so it saves companies a lot of costs by outsourcing to an expert that just does third-party logistics, because you could be someone that does cosmetics. You could be someone that does electronics. But here, they're... T-shirts with a cute slogan. T-shirts with a cute slogan. Yeah. Exactly. You're listening to Lunch with Shelly. What are the things that, I guess, maybe surprise you the most, or what are you so happy that you learned by being on this board? Well, I think the first thing I remember learning was before I started the board, where I talked to our mutual friend, Suzanne Clark, the U.S. Chamber, because she had been yes. on two boards, and I said, you know, what am I in for? What do I need to do? And she said, kind of the rule is, nose in, hands out, which means... Your nose is in, you're studying the business, but you're not running the business. So your hands aren't in it. You're not supposed to take the place of management. You're there to basically provide uh, an other opinion, you know, outside opinion. So I think that was the first thing I learned. As far as the board is concerned, 
I think you learn that it does take a lot of time. It does require that you learn about the business. And then I think it's a lot of human nature, too, is understanding the interaction between the company and its investors, the company and its employees, the company and its customers, what makes the company tick, what are the strengths of the company, uh, what is its long-term goals, and are they meeting them? So a lot of things that you look at, and it makes you look at business in a different way. That's so interesting. Well, and you get compensated for being on the board. You do get compensated, yeah. Very generous compensation when it comes to being on a board. Um, They definitely compensate you to, you know, compensate for your time that you spend preparing. Right, and I guess that hopefully isn't an untoward question, but it sounds like you spend more time on the board than I thought, so, you know, I'm glad. Or do you feel like that's a good... Uh, compromise or good compensation because it it does seem quite time and it's other right you're usually compensated both in terms of you know monetary compensation and then also in terms of stock so if you're at the incentive is that if you're on the board you want the company to do well right because you're invested you're literally invested you're literally invested and I think the investors want that too they want to make sure that you've got skin in the game right and I think you're you're fairly compensated. I think that you do a lot of work, and I think good board members also develop a camaraderie and trust so that they can actually ask questions that are maybe tough to ask of management. Um, but you feel comfortable enough, and you have a trust factor with everybody in the room that you can actually move things forward. Well, I'm just so proud of you. I mean, it's really pretty, pretty incredible. You. And the other thing that Marlene does... Um, and I'm telling Cleve on this so she can have a little bit more of her salad. <laughs> but Marlene is also very, very invested, to continue using that word, with sort of passing things along. So she really loves to mentor younger women, which I also think is terrifically laudable. And there are so many people walking around this city that would call Marlene a mentor. She's very, very willing to meet somebody for coffee or, God forbid, breakfast. <laughs> I know, I do a lot of breakfast, more than you do. But you're you're a mentor, too. I mean, you and I, I am. had I that in common. Yeah. I think we both feel like a need to give back and a, an ability that now that we have a broader perspective of the workplace and of what happens, I think we can you know, encourage younger women, younger men, <laughs> I think, to you know, succeed by offering them other opportunities, like opening their aperture to see more things. And also, I think, giving them a sense of, here are some things that maybe you didn't think about that you could do. I mean, I think about some of the things that I applied for that I never thought I could do, and I had somebody who was my mentor saying, you could do this job, or you would be great at this. And we might not think that in ourselves, but if you're a good mentor, you bring that out in other people. It's just so lovely. Marlene definitely walks the talk. I do mentor younger women. I sometimes think that mentorship, though, for me, it's largely encouragement and, you know, offering my network and support. But sometimes when people say, should I do this or that, it's too judgmental for me. Or, you know, because either road is going to be fine. You know what I mean? Yeah, but in I mean, a way. Telling them that, so, too. Right. You're right. not necessarily... Yeah, you're, you're providing... I feel like my mentor mentoring is less specific and more encouraging. And I think I think it's really nice to hear from other people that you're going to be okay. You know? Yes. Just, it's going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. Everybody figures it out. Especially when you've had bad experiences right. or ones that you feel like are setbacks in your career. It's nice Correct. to have someone that said, you know what? I remember one of the best things that one of actually my clients said to me and he was a CEO of a very large communications company 
and I had had a setback I was dealing with, and he said, you know, I remember I was working in a um, in a financial firm. He said, and I thought I was on the partnership track, and I found out I wasn't going to be a partner, and I was devastated. And I thought, this is it, my career is over. And he said, come to find out, I started to pursue other things and became the CEO of the largest uh, black-owned media company. And I thought that was a great lesson for me to learn because I thought, here's someone who is at the top who's telling me they went through that kind of similar right. crisis of and thinking... And then found a different path. And found a completely different path. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have to look out for those signs. Yeah. Like, maybe this is not the direction we're supposed to go in. Correct. And course correct. <laughs> you are listening to Lunch with Shelly. Well, let's talk about... Uh, our moms. Yes, let's do that. Okay. That's a special So topic. my mother is a Virgo. Your mother is not. When was her birthday? February? My mother's in February. Yeah. So she's a Pisces. Right. Mm-hmm. Pisces is the sign of the fish, but I don't exactly know what their attributes are. No, but she's very artistic. Yes. And like, I mean, your mother and my mother, I think, share a lot of common traits. They're both artistic, delicate, you know, they love to dress up. They yeah. love to go out. Right. <laughs> Not unlike oh my gosh, what we've they love inherited. To party. Yeah, they love to party. Yes. Um, and we're both really close to them. Yeah. Which is, I think, also what makes us closer. Like, we both yes. have that same value of family and close family. Right. I'll make my mother listen if you make your mother listen. Um, right. I will do. I will do. <laughs> but actually, but I, let's tell the story about our mother's meeting. That's great. Oh, my let's gosh. So right. I guess what I was saying um, before was that. I've gone out and hung out with Marlene and her mother a lot. A lot. Mom is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And she is terribly reminiscent of my mother, but, you know, from a different European background, but both terribly feminine, beautifully dressed, similar affectations. It's not exactly the right word. There's an elegance about both of them. There's an elegance about them. and A gracefulness. The way that they carry themselves and the way that people react to them are very similar. Yes. So I always was saying that your mother was sort of like the blonde version of my mother. And we've had so so many great conversations with her mother, who is also also very feminine. And do you remember she used to look at us like, girls, you're... You're just not vulnerable enough. And right, we'd right. be like, right. we, we you're, want you're to not take control enough. of the we'd world. Like, what? what you're do like, you don't mean? open that door. Do Let someone open it for you. Is it you. bad that I'm sitting cross-legged at right. dinner? <laughs> <laughs> you don't like my lace-up shoes, Marlena? Right. Anyway, so to make a long story short. They both had fashion advice. Exactly. So we, But we were saying for years and years and years that we should get our mothers together. But wow. my mom wasn't coming to Washington very yeah. often at all. And so, to make a long story short, at one point, Marlene and her mother were in Manhattan, and my mother was in Manhattan, and I actually went, I flew to Manhattan just for this. We are like, yes, the hell with it, we're going to get our, our mothers together. Right. We talked so, about it for years. years. Like, we're going to do it. So, the four of us mm-hmm. get all dressed up, and we go to Grand Week. La Grenouille in La Grenouille, which is this absolutely amazing storied restaurant in Manhattan. And we make this lunch reservation, and uh, my mother has a car, and we pick up Marlene and Marlena, and we're all terribly fancy, and we show up, and we have the best table in the restaurant, because my mother goes to the Grenouille, at the time, she was literally very, like very the, often, you know, in a celebrity center, table yeah, in the middle. In the center of the room. But it turns out that the owner, who came over to fawn over my mother, recognize Marlene's mother because her she knew him as a young boy because being in the restaurant business mm-hmm. they know absolutely everybody yeah. 
So then he was fawning over both of them, and they get so excited. Marlene and I are so excited. Everyone decides to have pink champagne. <laughs> Just rosé champagne, but it was very exciting. Pink champagne. Everyone was so happy. So we all had pink champagne. We all got a little buzz on. We were there for like was, three hours. Oh my gosh, it was hours. such a long lunch. It was so fun. It was, yes, it was, it was lunch, lunch, of course. Yes. And you know what's fun about La Grande is that the way the restaurant's designed is we're sitting in the middle of this dining room and you have seats on both sides so that they're sitting looking in. Right. So you literally feel like you're on stage, like you're in the middle of the dining room. And we did and not disappoint. We did not disappoint. <laughs> no, we, we did not tone down our conversation. No. We did not. Oh my God. And the guy... Is, so there were two brothers, and they got into a fight, the brothers, mm-hmm. before, I mean, when we were there or after we were there? It was. It happened, I think, before we were there. That's what I think, too. So the yeah. one brother that, was, that still owned the restaurant was also the one that was in charge of the flowers. flowers. And the flowers were so extraordinary at this restaurant. You've never seen anything I like mean, it. Gigantic bouquets of just beautiful flowers and which Huge. he spends like a whole twenty four hour period on. Yes, Remember he was going also, into yeah, he does elaborate himself, detail. But yeah. he, yes, he smokes cigars and blows cigar smoke. Um, he loves the plants, he talks to them but he also gives them cigar smoke, yeah. sometimes a little wine or yeah. Scotch or something it like this whole elaborate story about how he takes care of these flowers, and they're fabulous. I mean, they're gigantic, you know, arrangements that you see all around the restaurant, and you can tell he absolutely loves doing it. Yeah, like he's absolutely passionate about it. Yeah, yes. And now that I'm thinking about it, he said he would bring us to um, one of his gardens. Do you remember? You're right. So we could see I it. Think we need I to know. have a rendezvous. We need to go back. Mm-hmm. We need to do need part do-over. two. I know. We need a do-over. I think so. I think that'd be great. I can't thank you enough for being here, Marlene. <laughs> you know, again, like, I, I'm so enthralled with having you on this podcast and sitting across from you. And in one part, it seems like the most natural thing in the world. But on the other hand, I want to formally thank you because this is our kickoff season and it's been just as fun and easy as I knew it would be. It was so nice. And I kept thinking about being able to do this podcast with you just because I love being with you. I mean, we've been friends for a long time and this is this is really a special moment and I am really proud of all you've accomplished, especially Thank with you. this podcast because I think it is a dream and it's something that you pursued and now it's a reality. And I was telling Cleavon earlier, I said I go for walks in the morning and I take Shelly with me. You know, I mean, like, I'm listening to her walking and she's laughing. I'm like, I feel like I'm at lunch with Shelly, um, even though I'm doing my morning walk. Well, I am enjoying this lunch so much, me but too. we're going to have to close the podcast now. So I want to tell everybody thank you so much for listening. It has been just such a pleasure to have you on, Marlene. It is an absolute pleasure to have you with us, Cleavon. I am very grateful that you listened. Thank you for listening. Please keep listening at Lunch with Shelly or wherever you get your favorite podcast. And in the meantime, peace, love, and lunch. Lunch.